Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. We talked about the mountain of Samaria. The mountain of Samaria, we learned, is the mountain of compromise. You got to be careful not to get stuck on this mountain because this is a gospel that's being preached all, all through the Bible Belt. Amen. Or all through um, the United States of America. There is a mountain that you can worship on that has a grace. But it's a grace that allows you to be a sinner. It's a grace that allows you to do your worship, do your praise dance, get your prayer on, but live any way you want to live. Amen. We've identified that mountain, and that mountain is not where God dwells. Are you listening to me? He don't dwell on that mountain, but it makes you feel better about yourself when you can do a little worship, do a little prayer, and do a little praise, and still do your own thing. We also talked about the mountain of Jerusalem. Jesus said, you're not going to mount no, you're not, this, this, my church will not worship on the mountain of Samaria, which is the mountain of compromise, where I live like the world. The only thing different from them is I go to church on Sunday morning. But you're also, that's what you call a false grace. It's a false grace. But he also said, you're not going to worship on the mountain of Jerusalem. The mountain of Jerusalem is where legalism is, traditionalism and law. Amen. Uh, no presence of God, no direction of God, just following rules and rit- uh, uh, rituals. He said, you're not going to worship on that mountain either, but you're going to worship on my mountain, which is the mountain of God. <laughs> Y'all better pray for me today. Amen. On his mountain, and that's what we dealt with last week, on the mountain of God, God dwells there, Jesus is there, and the ministering spirits is there. So on the mountain of God, you have God's law, you have conviction of sin, you have Jesus to cover and deliver you of conviction, and you have the Holy Spirit to enable you to do so. Now, isn't that a beautiful picture? That's the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. That is the kingdom. This is going to be fun. I'm sorry, I just keep... It's, it's the kingdom of God. So you're not coming to a mountain of compromise and it always leads to uh, that you can never be happy. Because remember the woman that worshipped in that mountain had five relationships and the relationship she was in she wasn't even really attached to. So the mountain of compromise leads you unhappy. No peace, no joy. Relationships just don't work with anything or anybody. Amen. That mountain of uh, Jerusalem is the mountain of legalistic ritualism, and it makes you mean, ugly, and nasty. You may can follow some rules, but your heart still is not in it. God said, that's not my mountain. Amen. My mountain, I dwell there, and I'm going to convict you of sin, but my son Jesus is there with blood to deliver you of that sin, and then you got grace. That's good news. Somebody ought to give the Lord a hand praise. That's good news. Right? that he don't leave me in my sin. He reveals the sin, but don't expect me to get over it by myself. So we got Jesus there to wash me with his blood and helps me to be an overcomer. That is such good news if you hate sin. Oh, y'all ain't going to help me. But I found out this mountain is an enemy When I love my sin, I just need some Jesus to go with it. Oh, we are starting off on the wrong foot already. 
And so I couldn't understand why it was such good news that was repelling. Because when I'm not sick of me, but I know I need some Jesus, then this mountain becomes an enemy to me. No wonder the Bible says darkness and light has no fellowship. Because this reveals the sin. But when I come to the end of myself and I'm sick of my sin, like I did, bound by alcohol, amen, destroying my life. And it was destroying me, but I couldn't get rid of it. But when I came to a mountain who exposed it and then let Jesus wash me of it, then it was good news I went home with. So I understand as a preacher where I stand today that all good news, good news is not good news to everybody. Amen. So when you start preaching the true gospel of the kingdom, it can be offensive because you're judging me. I'm just going to be real whether y'all respond or not. No, no, no. The mountain's just trying to deliver you of something that is unbecoming to you and of you. That is, it diminishes your value. Listen to me, I'm going to go somewhere. It diminishes your value. And so God is simply trying to raise your value to the intended value that he intended from the beginning. So let's go through some scriptures here, if you will. Uh, are we going to even have screens? Let's see, where do I want to go first? I tell you what, uh, they're not going to have this on the screen, but turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews 12 is where we have been coming from, and I was not going to go back there for the sake of time, but everybody, go to Hebrews 12. I need you to go there in your Bible. Open your Bible and put your finger there in Hebrews 12 and keep it there. Amen. I don't know how you're going to do that on your phone. Hold it on your phone. I'm not going to take time to read all the scriptures, we, but Hebrews chapter number 12 explains that mountain. This is the mountain that you have come to. Matter of fact, 12, I'll read a few of them. 22, you have come to the mountain of Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. Are y'all with me? 22, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge, and to all. And I need everybody to read this part with me. I may use it. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. You've come to the mountain of the spirits of just men made perfect. Some preacher told me you couldn't be perfect. Verse 28. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace. Somebody say grace. Not to sin. Not to be a sinner, but let us have grace so we can serve God acceptably. Wow, that's a change. You mean, if I can serve God acceptably, then I can serve God unacceptably? Well, I'm just throwing these things out there and y'all got to work with them because I ain't got time. God don't accept everything. God don't accept everybody. This gospel is the most exclusive message ever preached. It, 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 it holds people at arm's length. 
But the only thing it requires of you to be a part of it is whosoever will. It don't matter your color. It don't matter your financial status. It don't matter your background. It don't matter how deep rooted you are in sin and depravity. The only recommendation or the only requirement is if you really want it. If you really want it. So you got to be careful with this new gospel that's being preached. God just accepts you just like you are. This Bible says there is a grace been given us that we could serve God acceptably. Look, she's with me. And with reverence and godly fear. One more scripture if you got it there, Nisha, that last one, verse 29. I want everybody to read this in concert because this is what we're going to build a sermon on. For our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. It don't say that God is like a fire. It says God is a consuming fire. So the mountain that He dwells on is on fire all the time. It's on fire all the time. So what I'm going to try to teach you today, if you're going to live on this mountain, you're going to have to learn how to navigate the fire. You're going to have to learn how to utilize, and I'm going to help some people because you don't understand. Uh, you say, the closer I get to God, this starts happening. That No, the closer you get to God, the closer you get to the fire. You didn't know it. You, you wanted to give up and throw up your hand. The closer I get to God, the more the devil fights. No, the, the closer you get to the fire, the more of you it's exposing. Oh, I'm going to help somebody by standing right here, flat-footed. Are you listening to me? But you didn't realize it. Amen. So if you're going to be a mountain dweller to where you dwell in the presence of God, you're going to have to learn to allow the fire to do its work. I feel an anointing coming in here. You're going to have to allow it to work. Amen. I, I believe in crowd participation, brother. So shake her real good. Shake your neighbor and tell them, let the fire work. Come on, shake them. Shake Nathan. For, thank you. He's sitting there with that big beard like he's a king tut. <laughs> let the fire work. Matter of fact, you'll know when you get on the right mountain because there ain't no fire on Mount Samaria. You can stay just like you are on the mountain of compromise. There ain't no fire on the mountain of religious traditionalism. Amen? But on the mountain of God where He dwells, you'll know when you're getting close to Him because things that you used to be comfortable with, you ain't comfortable with no more. And if you're not careful, you're going to shrink back. Can I help you this morning? Amen. So, so what some of you are going through right now is the proof you own the right mountain. Now, I've said all I need to say right there. We could just go home on that right there now. So that's why I'm jacked up. <laughs> so that's why I'm not comfortable talking like that anymore. That's why that thing that was way down in me that I didn't really know it or see it till this fire started. And now that this fire is so close to me, it's starting to come up and I can see it. And now I'm having to struggle with it. Look, look, let's, let's read some more scriptures. 
Go with me. Keep your finger there. Because verse 22 says, you've come to Mount Zion. All right, now go with me to 1 Corinthians 4.11. Oh, I got my old working partner with me back there in that sound room now. Come on, Nisha, let's work this thing. God knew I needed that safety blanket back there. I feel comfort knowing you got my back. 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 11. No, I'm sorry, 3 and 11. Wow, I'm sorry, I gave you all the wrong scriptures. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, for every man's work will be made manifest. All your actions are going to be shown for what they really are. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. Are you with me? It will be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work. Of what sort it is. Isn't it amazing that, stay with me here, we finish, that you can be acting a certain way as long as everything's going fine. But when all hell breaks loose, all of a sudden you see that the way you were doing things wasn't right. God will have to send a storm, or He'll have to send a fire. And there's some people in this building in fire right now, under the fire. And, and usually in Pentecost churches, when you say fire, we're talking about a shout. I ain't talking about that shout. I ain't talking about that fire. I'm talking about the refining fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. And sometimes you'll think your relationships are really good until fire falls on a relationship. And all of a sudden you're on your face saying, oh my God, I, I, I didn't know I was such a knucklehead. Boy, I should have got an amen from somebody right there. But now because of everything that's going on in my life, I can see my works for what they really are. I deceived myself until the fire came. And the fire, amen. And, and, and the good news is some of us don't have to go through the extremity of fire if we would receive truth. Oh, I just said a mouthful right there. But a lot of us, amen, some hardhead wave at me. Thank you, Dustin. Nathan, I've got a bunch of hard. Some of us are so hard-headed that God has to throw another log on the fire. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh-uh. And you'll be running to people, oh, pray, pray. I'm so uncomfortable. Just pray that this will get better. Amen. And God said, uh-uh. I'm going to build the fire. I'm going to burn this thing, and I'm going to burn this thing. Are you listening to me? If I let you get comfortable, you're going to get comfortable in your dysfunction. I'm already preaching, whether y'all know it or not. You're going to get comfortable in your dysfunction. Amen. But that's devaluing. That's a devaluing who you really are. So I'm going to burn it. If I have to use your spouse to do it, your workmate to do it, your boss to do it. Is anybody in here? If I have to use your children to do it, if I have to use your pastor to do it, amen, I'm going to 
to keep burning and I'm going to keep burning. Somebody shout, embrace the fire. Until all of it is exposed for what it is because they can't nobody tell you. It would be good if we'd receive wise counsel, but I have learned that you won't listen until the, ha- the fires start burning up things. My, 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 my. I just feel like wading around in this this morning. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Verse 14, if any man's work abide, which he have built thereon, he's going to receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he's going to suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You hate the fire, but it's going to save you. You don't like it. But it's what's going to save you. It's what's going to deliver you. Nathan, your testimony. You didn't like being on the flat of your back for months or years or whatever it was. Amen. You went through fire, but the fire saved you. The fire will break you. Oh, we're going to preach for big boys this morning. It'll break you. It'll bring you down to nothing till you think there ain't no God in heaven. Amen. And, 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 and that you don't know what you're going to do and how. But all the time, God said, I am that fire. So the harder the fire is, the closer he is to you. And he's just trying to break that out of your life. And he's trying to, God Almighty, can you receive that? I know you can. And he's trying to break it out of your life and break it out of your life. But the good thing about gold is fire is not an enemy to gold. It purifies it and raises its value. Fire is only an enemy to hay and stubble and wood. Fire is an enemy to the flesh. And that part it's killing in you is the part that devalues you. Somebody say, let the fire fall. This is a whole new concept of us shouting and running this building. It's the fire of God's judgment burning in my life to reveal the things. And when I get on his mountain, he starts exposing some things. But it's for a purpose. Amen. Come on, work with me. Shake your neighbor and tell him it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. Because I got news for you. God didn't save you so you could be saved. Let me try them all. He didn't save you so you could be saved. That's what I was waiting on. Come on. He saved you to be a savior. He didn't deliver you so you could be delivered. He delivered you to be a deliverer. Oh my God. Life Church, that's where we are right now. He's trying to position us to quit being a bunch of well-dressed people that know how to clap our hands and come to church on Sunday morning to turn us into a sword in the mighty hand of God that he uses it to destroy the works of the devil in the community around us. Amen? We think we just saved to be saved. So church becomes an end of a thing instead of a means to an end. The end is we're supposed to be used to bring change to a community. And we're just sitting on pews thanking God when he comes, we're going to get out of here. But something's happening in life church right now through the prayer meetings and these altars we built that the fire of God is falling. Amen. So 
I, I need to help somebody right now that's in the fire. I just need a little bit of uh, 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 confidence right now. Is there anybody in the fire? Okay, I got a, a percentage of the congregation. If you ain't, put this message in your pocket. Because you're going to need it. Can I tell you, the fire is going to save you. It ain't going to destroy you. It's going to save you. The only thing it's going to destroy is that part of you that don't look like God. So the question is going to be, do you love God more than you love me? So if you hold on to me, then all is going to be lost. But if you let the fire work, the fire is about to deliver you and to save you. I need, I need a couple more scriptures and we'll, we'll share a little bit more and then I'm done. Matthew chapter number 3. Matthew 3 and 11. John said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me, he's talking about Jesus, is so much mightier than I. He says, whose shoes I'm not even worthy to carry for him, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with... Verse 12 says, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. And he's going to gather the wheat into the barn, and he's going to burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. He's going to burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now turn with me one more place. Obadiah. Another one of them little bitty books I can't get away from. Obadiah, verse number 17. Now I had you hold your finger in Hebrews simply because the scriptures I read over there, you can take your finger out, I guess. I'm not going to go back there. It says, you have come to the mountain of Zion, right? Hebrews said, if you got saved, when you come to church, you came to the church. You came to the mountain of God. You come to the kingdom of God. And one place is called the house of God. It's all one thing. That's the mountain you have come to. Let me give you a description of a prophetic view of that mountain. Obadiah. Verse number 17. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. On Mount Zion shall be deliverance. God's about to establish a church to where you're not going to need constant counsel to get over your dysfunction. That's good news. We've created a church where people get saved and we spend months trying to help them modify their behavior to overcome addictions in their lives. God said, on my mountain, there will be deliverance. Deliverance means release from slavery, oppression, or restraint. There's going to be deliverance and there's going to be Holiness. And as a result, the house of Jacob is still the mountain. The church shall possess her possessions. 
When we experience deliverance and holiness, we're going to start getting the stuff this Bible says belongs to us. Okay, let's, let's go a little deeper. And the house of Jacob shall be a what? There it is. The mountain of God shall be a fire. The house of Joseph, same mountain, is a what? A flame. This house is a flame. This house is a fire. Why? Because God is a consuming fire and He lives in this place. Are you following me? He's a fire. And the house of Esau is going to be stubble. Now without some uh, scriptural background, it's hard to understand prophecy. But when you see the word Esau, it always refers to the flesh. It's a type or shadow of the flesh. So he said, my house is going to be a fire. And it's going to be a flame that's burning. And it's going to destroy everything that's of the flesh. All my natural propensities, all, all, all of my sinful inclinations. My God, help me, help me right now. You got to catch this. Everything that is an enemy to me. Because we're born with an addictive nature. And you ain't got to be addicted to drugs to be addicted. You can be addicted to yourself. You can be addicted to sin. Are you following me? And he said, my house is going to be a house of fire. It's going to be a flame. And the first thing that is going to burn up is the flesh. In other words, we've created a Christianity to where you have to make yourself act like Jesus. And we got to wear bracelets that says, what would Jesus do? And we got to struggle to do the right thing when really I want to do the wrong thing. I'm going to preach this morning. Amen. And we call that Christianity. And we call discipleship, amen, discipline my flesh to do spiritual things. Until prayer becomes a discipline to us. Coming to church is a discipline to us. That was not the intention of God. That's not the mountain of God. That's the mountain of religion. And so we got Christians sitting on pews that are bound by things, amen, they're not doing but love to. <laughs> I'm not doing it, but boy, I could drink one that tall right now. I don't know why I'm looking at you. I could drink, I could smoke one that long. Can I just be real? Amen? Huh? I'm going to put blinders on when I walk down the mall and I don't care how pretty she is. Boy, I'm getting everybody now. Them men getting quiet right now. I'm going to put a filter on my personal computer and on my phone and I'm going to make sure I don't watch it. That's the wrong mountain. You're on the mountain of religion because it wasn't left up to you to win that battle. It was left up to Jesus on an old rugged cross to nail that dysfunction to his cross and that salvation is I can walk in the victory he won for me. But we're preaching a different gospel now and it's not good news to get saved anymore because all I did was join some country club and everybody in the church is jacked up. God help me this morning. I'm telling the truth. Hey, listen to me. So we just get in our little, amen, our little AA, our little 12-step program, 
Amen. I'm not hating on that. I'm just saying we better not hate on it because the church has created the same thing. Amen. And we thought if you hang around us enough, we can put you in just as much bondage as we're in. Huh? But I'm walking right and spitting white. That's the way the old timer said it. Huh? Amen. And so I'm at war at all times with me and my flesh. And this scripture says that's not the mountain of God. I'm trying to establish a new gospel in this church. Amen. In my mountain, there's going to be deliverance. In my mountain, I'm going to come into their lives when you get the preaching right and I'm going to so transform them that they're going to get up from an altar like they just rose up out of a grave and all things are passed away and all things are become new and now the people I used to hate, I love and the, people, the things I used to love, I hate. Oh, I don't know if y'all can receive this message anymore. And now all of a sudden, I'm not wearing a bracelet that reminds me what would Jesus do. I automatically, spontaneously, by nature, start acting like Jesus Christ. And it's so new to me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, old things are passed away. All things have become new, for he is a new creation. Is anybody listening to me? Being born again is becoming something you were not two seconds ago. Being born again is coming into a realm that you were not in two seconds ago. And when you come into this realm, you're not the same person you was two seconds ago. And all of a sudden, propensities have changed. My God, can y'all receive this this morning? He said, that's the salvation that's finna come to my house. Amen. So much to so. Uh, I think it was the Wales Revival. One of the great big revivals. It was where they did a lot of coal mining back in the early 1900s. And they did it with mules. Amen. And history records that revival hit that city. That town, that village, that, that, that neighborhood. And all the coal miners got saved. And when they went back to work on Monday morning, amen, they had to, this is documented, they had to retrain their mules. Because the mules was trained to operate by loud cursing with curse words. Amen. And demands. And so when they was speaking regular, the mules didn't know what they wanted them to do. So they had to, is anybody hearing me? Even the donkeys know they got saved. God is about to pour out a spirit to where your community is suddenly... The community's going to know that people are getting saved. Not because they got baptized in water, but because there was deliverance in their life and it changed their vocabulary. It changed their countenance. It changed their heart. It changed their spirit. It broke bondages. Somebody shout, that's good news. That's what it's supposed to look like. And it's been deleted, depleted down to this weak, watered-down gospel or people think, well, I'm going to go do it. I'm, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to get saved. Y'all pray for me. God help me. Y'all pray for me. I'm going to get saved. I get saved. I got to quit this. I'm going to have to quit that. I'm going to have to quit going there. And I ain't going to be able to hang out with old Joe. Because he's a knucklehead. Hey, Amen. And that's the picture we've drawn. But he said, in my mountain, there's going to be such deliverance. 
that those who want deliverance are going to run with joy to God's house so he can set them free of what they cannot control on their own. So he said, there's going to be deliverance and there's going to be holiness and my house shall be fire. It shall be a flame and they shall kindle them. I'm back in uh, 18 and devour Esau the flesh and they will not be any remaining of the house of Esau for the Lord has spoken. He said the flesh is finna get burnt up. You want to know why flesh is so prevalent in the body of Christ right now? Because God is absent. There's no fire here. There's no fire. Fleshly people come with fleshly attitudes and hear a fleshly sermon only to leave feeling better about ourselves. But when God comes, it'll burn. Conviction will burn. It'll purge. It'll purify the body of Christ. Verse 21. And saviors... And saviors shall come upon Mount Zion to judge the mountain of Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. I felt like this was going to be different today and I may be preaching in just a little bit different disposition and mode. Amen. But let's work this for just a minute. Amen. He said, in my house there's going to be deliverance. And deliverance always equates holiness. Deliverance always equates holiness. The consequences of deliverance is always holiness. And holiness is connected with wholeness. Being completely whole. Nothing lacking. Nothing added. Nothing but wholeness. Nothing but the pureness of God. It's the consequence of deliverance. But the problem is, deliverance is a consequence of fire. Go with me just a little while. It's a consequence of fire. In other words, if God's presence doesn't move close to me, and His fire start burning a part of me, and, and revealing, the Bible says, that part of me, then I can never experience deliverance. So the genius of the enemy is to steal the presence of God out of the church. The presence. Not the shout. Not the dance. Not the worship song. But steal the divine presence of God out of the church. Because God is a consuming fire. And everywhere he is, that fire is burning. It's burning. If we are coming to church week after week after week, amen, and there's never no purifying burning that's revealing another part of me, amen, we need to shut the service down and get back to the altars. Amen. Because we're not in a position of deliverance until the fire comes. Amen. And we used to love to quote the scripture, God's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire, and we just shout all about that. Amen. But he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and then I'm going to give you something that's going to save you and deliver you and it's called the refining fire of my Holy Spirit. 
Amen. And it's going to burn. It's going to burn. And the closer you get to me, the more it's going to burn. And it's going to start exposing things in your life. It's going to start exposing negativity. Amen. And when you start getting too comfortable, I'll set your house on fire. I'll set the job on fire. I'll set circumstances on fire so that in the midst of the fire, who you really are and how you really think and how you really act is going to come to the surface. And when it comes to the surface, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to be offended. You're going to run from it. You're going to find another church. You're going to find someone who will condone it. Amen. Are you going to submit it to God and let him burn it out of your life? And as a result, you experience a level of holiness that you didn't have yesterday. Oh, my God. Let me work this now. Because I'm headed to the culmination of this sermon. Amen. And what you got to realize is it's not being done so you can go to heaven. He's preparing you to start conquering some kingdoms. He spoke to me and said, without purpose, there can be no perseverance. In other words, if we're just coming to church to be coming to church, if we're just going through the motions because that's what Christian does, it gets unacceptable. It gets boring. Come on, I'm just saying what you have thought. It gets monotonous. Amen. But when you realize there is a purpose I'm being prepared for, I can embrace the cross. I can embrace the fire when I know the fire is not just for fire's sake. It's burning something out of me because he's trying to get me into a position to take some kingdoms. Man, man, help me right here, Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't take time to read all the boring scriptures between 18 and 21, but it says when the flesh is consumed, you're going to start conquering this kingdom. You're going to start conquering that kingdom. You're going to start expanding the kingdom. You're going to start destroying some things. But first, the fire has got to destroy the flesh out of us before we can start conquering kingdoms outside this church. But we haven't understood the fire. So when we start getting uncomfortable, we start running. We start regressing. We start digressing. Amen. Instead of letting the fire purge us. Oh my God, I didn't know I thought like that. I didn't know I responded like that. Amen. Some of you may think you got it all together, but the only reason you got it all together because everybody around you is saying what you need to hear and doing what you need to be done. Come on now, I'm just being real this morning. Amen. You don't really know what's in you until you get put into a situation to where everybody around you saying the opposite of what you want to hear and doing the opposite of what you want done. And then all of a sudden the fire starts getting hot and then uh, 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 natural propensities start coming to the top. I know y'all can't say nothing. I'm talking to somebody in this place. Amen. And it's all an opportunity for you to to be able to embrace deliverance so you can step into another level of holiness. Because you see, it's the mercy and the grace of God that he hadn't poured out his glory at the level you've been asking him to because he is a consuming fire. 
Amen. And my fire, the word consume means destroying. It destroys things. And in your fleshly mindset, if I poured my fire out like you really think you want, there's so much flesh in you, they wouldn't be much left. Oh, my, my, my. He said, so I am gradually bringing the fire because I am a refining fire. I'm bringing the fire, and I'll bring situations, and I'll bring circumstances, and emotions are coming to the top. I know you can't say nothing, but if I'm preaching to you, just nod at me a little bit. Amen. Why am I thinking like this? Why am I acting like this? Why am I responding like this? Amen. And you just thought you was a true worshiper. Amen. But you was only worshiping because the light bill was paid. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, you just thought you was a spiritual worshiper, but you had gas in the car, light bill, groceries in the cabinet, amen, and your old man was acting halfway decent, or, or your old lady was acting halfway decent, and the kids were being civil, amen. Are you listening to me? But God said, no, no, you think you're a worshiper. You think you're a You think you're a worshiper, but I'm trying to get you to a place to where you can break the powers of darkness, set the captive free. You just think, so, so, so I'm going to build a fire because you'll never get deliverance from your little religious facade, amen, until I send the fire, amen, and the light bill ain't paid, and the old man is an idiot, and the wife is a... I ain't got no word for her. Well, the job does get taken and the, the check ain't coming in and the circumstances are bad or the doctor's report is not good. Are you listening to me? Amen. And then all of a sudden you'll realize, oh my God, I didn't have joy in the Lord. I have joy in my stuff. I didn't have the joy of the Lord. I didn't have the strength of the Holy Spirit. I had the strength of my own building. Amen. It was wood and hay and stubble, but a fire has come and it burned all the wood, all the hay, all the stubble, and there ain't nothing left but me. And then when you're able to lift them hands and sing God is good when it don't look good, Oh, who am I preaching to? When you sing God is good, when it don't look good. When you sing God is good, when it don't feel good. Amen. Then all of a sudden, you've entered into another realm of holiness. Wow. You've entered into another realm of holiness. So you think, my God, what's, what's God trying to do? Trying to kill me? No, he's trying to save you. He's, he's, he's trying to save you. This mountain's on fire. That fire is purging and it's purifying because fire's not the enemy to gold and silver. It's the friend to it. Because they say when they're purifying gold, they put it on the fire. And that old goldsmith Heat that fire up until that gold is burning. Until it's boiling. And all the dross, those things that lowers the value, is brought to the top. And he'll scrape it off. Throw it aside. He'll scrape it off and throw it aside. And he'll look over into that gold. He'll heat it up again. All that dross that you can't see, you just think it's pure gold. He'll reach down and scoop it off, throw it to the side. And they say, when that old goldsmith can look over into the gold, 
Oh, y'all wait on me now. I thought this was new. And he sees a reflection of himself. He'll say, turn the fire off. Turn the fire off. So the fire in your life is not to destroy you, it's to save you. But the fire would destroy everything in you, amen, that does, it's not consistent with the character of your God. Amen. And he ain't going to turn the fire off. He's going to keep on scraping off the jaws. Amen. No wonder Job said, when I am tried, I, he said, I looked in front of me, I couldn't find God. I looked behind me, I couldn't find God. I can't hear God. I can't see God. I don't know where God is. All hell is breaking loose in my life. He said, but when I'm tried, I'm going to come forth as pure gold. Somebody needs to get that word right now. I don't know why I got to go through the hell I got to go through, but I do know this. When the dust settles... When the smoke clears, I'll be standing right here, flat undundable. I'll be standing here flat-footed, and I will be more holy than I've ever been. I'll be strong. God, I'm going to preach. I'll be stronger than I've ever been. I'll be freer than I've ever been. He ain't trying to take something away from you. He's trying to get his nature in you. My God, you struggling and trying to hold on to something, amen, that only devalues you. God said, my fire don't burn up you. He said, this is, this is what the fire does. You know, when you're building, I built a big old fire out there yesterday, day before yesterday. And the more stuff I threw on there, the bigger the fire got. It's amazing. I was just standing there getting revelation. Wow. Every time I throw something on, it gets bigger. And what I was throwing on was disappearing. But the fire was getting bigger. And the fire was getting bigger. And God said, I'm not trying to take anything away from you. I'm a consuming fire. And I'm trying to make you a reflection of who I am. That, that, that everywhere you go, you are a flaming fire. And your presence brings change to your geographical location. That is the purpose. But we fight in the fire. Oh, don't judge me because I got this in my life. Don't judge me because I got this in my life. Don't judge me. I don't want to hold on to this and I don't want to quit that. If you'll just get on this mountain and let the fire of God's presence burn, he'll burn out what he wants out. And the only thing that'll be left, are you listening to me, is everything that is consistent with his nature. Amen. Somebody tell your neighbor, you can trust him. You can trust. I know when you're in the fire, it's kind of hard and you feel like you're losing a whole lot of me. But when he gets through with you. You're going to come out as a refiner's gold. Your value is going to skyrocket. You're going to be proud of who you are. Is anybody in this place? You're not going to be condemned or cut down. You're going to be who God called you to be. Somebody shout, send the fire. You didn't know when you prayed for God to help you be more holy that you was praying, burn me, Lord. I'll teach you to pray like that. You didn't know, did you? You didn't know when you started fasting and praying, you was laying yourself on an altar and said, send fire. Send fire. But deliverance always equates holiness. 
And I just need you to help me right now. Grab your neighbor again. Shake him, look him in the eye and tell him, you are dysfunctional. Tell him, just tell him. You won't never get to do it again. You got permission. <laughs> and he can't hit you in church. I don't think he might jab slap. Are you listening to me? You're messed up, Bethany. You're messed up, Griffin. You're messed up, Baumberg. Huh? Let me find one of you who thinks you holy. <laughs> Helen? <laughs> uh, kid, I love you. You listen to me? Huh? You think you got it all together. No, you jacked up. Hey, man. But you don't know how jacked up. I don't know where I got that. Is that a word? Is that ugly? I shouldn't say. You messed up. You hear me? You just messed up, and you don't know how messed you up you are. Amen. Because when you get really messed up, you start hanging out with messed up people. And when you hang out with messed up people, there's no fire. There's no conviction. Are you listening to me? We all messed up. Amen. And you brag on who's messed up better than the other one. Amen. But when you start hanging out with people who's not messed up, it starts bringing conviction. So when you start hanging out with God, it starts revealing Man, I don't know if I'm preaching it like I heard it, but I, I'm telling you. That's why some of you, the closer you get to God, the hotter it gets. Whew. My God. My God. Because things you used to do with ease, you can't do them no more. My God, I don't feel comfortable watching that no more. Come on, y'all hear my spirit? I don't feel comfortable telling that joke no more. I just don't feel comfortable with it. It's the proof you're stepping into a new degree of holiness. You're stepping into another degree of holiness. It beats all I ever seen, what I get to see. Man, I'm not even preaching today. I'm just talking. I'm going to be through by 12.30. But with our house here, we have for ladies to be able to run to. It's not a program. It's just a house of refuge. We don't have a program. We just got a safe place you can run to and find Jesus like all of us found Jesus. But it's funny to me that if you put any restrictions, you've just become a prison. And at first that made me mad. But then I thought, why should I be mad? The whole church thinks like that sometimes. It's prison. Can't do this, can't do that. And I begin to think, we got it all wrong. We got it all wrong. Because this is not a prison, it's a hospital. For who with a broke arm would run in the hospital? And when, 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 when I, the doctor, started straight, don't touch my arm. You judging me? Oh, this is so real. Well, no, <laughs> but I'm going to have to set that thing if you don't want it to heal up wrong. Oh, God, I'm saying something right here. Are you going to be walking around a cripple all your life? You leave my arm alone. I didn't know when I run in here you was going to want to set it. Oh, my God. Are y'all listening to me? And that's the way we view church. Rather than running here, my arm is broken. My marriage is broken. My My life is broken. My mindset is broken. My spirit's broken. I know it's going to hurt, but 
Oh, God. I know it ain't going to feel good, but jerk that thing back in shape. And 10 years from now, I'll be... Oh, somebody tell your neighbor, embrace the fire. Embrace the fire. Amen. It's perspective. It's a paradigm shift. Because if I just leave it. But the next thing I've got to do is I've got to expose it. It reminds me of the crippled man that was in church. He'd been there for years. He was a member of the first church of crippled arms. Because that's the church you want to go to, right? If you have a crippled, oh God. That's the church you want to go to if you've got a crippled arm. Because everybody here is crippled. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. Oh, God, I'm preaching 100 miles an hour right now. You listen to me? So let's just go to this church down there. Amen. But he fooled around and went to Jesus' church. He messed up. Oh, that life church would become Jesus' church. And while everybody else is looking over your broke arm, Jesus walks up and says, stretch that thing out. Oh, my God, I feel that. Stretch that thing out. In other words, expose that thing that you've been ashamed of. Reveal that thing you've been ashamed of. Oh, I'm I'm calling you to do something you couldn't do. Quit hanging around people that's doing everything you can do and start hanging around people that's doing what you can't do and start hanging around a God who's doing more than you can do and you'll be stretching out things. God Almighty, you'll start doing God things. My God, is anybody in this place? Our government thought they were doing a good deal with government housing. It wasn't nothing but a benevolent heart, I believe. I don't know what the government thinks. But it was a benevolent spirit that started governing housing, I believe. We want to help poor people. We want to help poor. They had the right idea. But they created a bad system. Had the right idea. Number one, it ain't the government's part. Something just flew out of my mouth. It's the churches. And we're working real hard right now on a benevolent system that works. It's not an enabler. Don't just dole out money. We're working on this. It's not the government's place in the first place. But the government stepped in to be the big brother and said, we're going to help the poor people get on their feet. And we're going to create government housing. The only problem with government housing is it attracted all the poor folks. So when you walk out of your door in government housing, everybody's as poor as you are. Everybody's as broke as you are. Everybody are in the same, to, to a certain degree, same mindset you are. There's always the rule of thumb. When in reality, if they have a thought and said, no, let's help the poor, but let's put a poor person here But let's open up the door for someone who has been successful, got some money beside him. So when the generation comes up and he walks out of his house, he looks over at that house and says, you know what? They made it. If they can make it, I can make it. 
If they can do it, I can do it. Are you listening to me? Amen. If they can have that, I can have that. So we created a society, amen, of governmental housing that all the, the financial, uh, uh, the econo- economic income is the same and the mindset is the same. So we put generations in prison that they come up in a cycle thinking, I always have to live like that. Amen. Well, can I tell you something? We've done the same thing in the church and created bound up societies and put names on them. My God, are y'all with me today? So everybody with that mindset can go there and be dysfunctional like everybody else. And I don't even feel convicted. I don't even notice because everybody I walk by is struggling with the same thing I'm struggling with. God said, my house is going to be a house of deliverance. Amen. And I'm going to put some... I'm sorry, Jennifer, but you was the worst sinner I ever knew. So I'm going to put some Jennifer Basses in this community. And I'm going to put now on your own admission, I'm going to put some tripping Kamals in this my community. Amen. Scott, here we go. I'm going to put some ex-homosexuals in this community. Is anybody listening to me? So that it don't matter who comes in. And all you perverts I don't know about, all of us who was addicted to pornography... He said, I'm going to put them in this community and I'm going to deliver them and I'm going to set them free. So when the homosexual walks in, he says, my God, if he can do it for Scott Bamberg, he can do it for me. A tripping drug God Almighty. If a tripping drug addict walks in and sees Kamal preaching the gospel, he can say, my God, if he delivered him, he can deliver me. Is anybody in this place? My God, he can take a broken marriage like mine and hers. She was leaving me. Her bags was packed, leaving me because I was a drunk. But I ran to the mountain and thank God I found the right mountain. And from that day, ooh, it liked to have been ugly. From that day, I'm telling you, she sent me to the store one day for a loaf of bread, y'all. Loaf of bread. I got back three days later. She said, my God, where'd you go, Egypt? You got better bread in Egypt. It was Egypt, all right. I come back three days later. Amen. Her bags was packed and ready to go. Are you listening to me? So I had to run. Some of y'all say you shouldn't save because you got in trouble. You, you believe your own lie. I didn't get saved because I loved God or was scared of the devil. I was scared of losing that blonde hair and blue eyes. You listening to me? I got to have God in my life. I ran to the mountain. Is anybody listening to me? And when I got up, I couldn't leave work without a six-pack of Miller Lights and pork skins. <laughs> Just saying. What was your devil? God delivered me of them, that miller, but them pork skins are the bomb. <laughs> He'll leave you a little bread every now and then. Are you listening? He'll leave you a little. Yes, 
God is my witness, and I know everybody's, but I know salvation is the same. I knelt at an altar one night. I gave my heart to Jesus, and I got up from that altar, and I'm telling you, I ain't never tasted another beer. I ain't never drank another beer. I don't dream about beer. Is anybody listening to me? I don't lust after beer. Matter of fact, he so set me on fire, amen, that I evangelized our entire community. All 400 of them. Did we do it? Because I, I didn't know this other gospel they started preaching that it was going to take me a little time. Are y'all listening to me? So he's brought all these different together so the world will have a point of reference. They may not can relate to me, Scott. The homosexual may not be able to. What's worse, I can't relate to him. Just like some of you that ain't never got drunk. You can't relate to a drunk. Maybe you can't relate to a prostitute or a drug addict. So God said, on my mountain, I'm going to have every one of them. I'm going to have every one of them. So I, I got to bring them to a place to where you ain't sitting there with your judgmental attitude because you don't have a point of reference. But the minute you start judging, that one who does have a point of reference is going to jerk you on the shirt sleeve. Whoa. Oh, my God, this is good right here. I got to quit, but I, this is good because this is the purpose. This church was established to change people's lives. But the first kingdom that had to be conquered was Esau. Some of you ain't been conquered yet. You ain't had enough fire yet. And if you ever took the advice of the pastor, you better take this in right now. When God sets his sights on you, when people start praying for you, he knows how to build a fire. And he'll burn your little nest egg up. He'll burn your little padded life up to where they ain't but one way to look and that is up. Why? Because the fire of God is the love of God. You may love your convenience, but he loves you beyond your convenience. Are y'all okay this morning? Have y'all got it? Life church, we're in the fire. But it's to produce another degree of holiness. Not so you can walk around and say, I'm holy. But so that we can start conquering kingdoms. And the reason I've called extended prayer is because while we're sitting on these padded pews, listen to me, I'm going to bring this down and make it awful and let you walk out. While we were having church, a teenager blowed his head off. While we were having church, another one was molested. While we were having church, one went on to a pornographic site and got seeds of homosexuality poured into him that he will never get out without the proper care. That's the world we live in. And I'm not talking about California. I'm talking about Caldwell Parish. 
I just got news that school hadn't been open a week and already situations have had to be dealt with of suicidal attempts in our schools. Kids coming forward, preteens, not even teenagers yet, saying, I'm bisexual. And others come saying, I don't even know. I'm so confused. I don't even know what gender I am. That's what's in our schools. That's what's in our communities. And I felt like God showed me as bad as drugs is, come on. As bad as drugs is. I've seen it. I've seen it in my own family. It'll turn a good person into a thieving, no heart, stony, cruel person. But as bad as drugs is, we're standing on the verge of a new demon. He's not new, but he's got a foothold. And it's the it's the demon of gender confusion. And it's going to take kids to the deepest, darkest level of bondage that you cannot wrap your mind around. You can't wrap your mind around it. It steals their soul. It steals their identity. And all of you parents that's... that's, that's, that's a friend with your kid on Facebook, you better wake up. You better wake up because that little device they're carrying around connects them with every pornographic site, every person that is addicted to pornography. They are so connected in your own homes, in their own bedrooms, amen, and it's stealing your kids, but you want to be a friend to them, and you're giving them the very thing that the devil is using to destroy them. You better man up and you better woman them up. Amen. You better mama up and daddy up and take them phones away from them kids. Oh, come on now. I figured you wouldn't help me on this. Amen. Why? Because it's a devil. It is a devil. Oh, Pastor, you No, I'm not over-exaggerating. We're in a bubble, and our generation is being destroyed, and you're giving them the tools to destroy themselves with because if you think, Oh, I trust my kids. You are. <laughs> Say it for me, brother. Because your kid may be a good kid, but there's a devil sitting on his shoulder that would say, just click it, just click it, just click it. Amen. How many times do you have? I showed my wife a text, amen, the other day. The first time I ever got it, it just came up on my phone. I didn't tell them to text me. They texted me and said, good-looking women in Gina are looking for you. God is good. God knew he was going to answer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe just a little laughter helps this part of this sermon. I was in shock. I was so in shock before I thought I showed it to my wife. Look. Look at this. You better be proud of what you got. Then it started showing me some pictures of good-looking women in Gina, and she would have been beautiful if she'd have had teeth. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Come back, come back. 
How many times you're on it and it clicks up? And the devil for one second says, click it. And you have just stepped into the abyss. Do you actually think, <laughs> it'll be okay, bud. He is mad at me. That young man, you got a cell phone? <laughs> he was looking at me like he was mad at me for preaching this stuff. You, you cool. You all right. This social media has gone crazy. And you can't even communicate with your kids because they're communicating with some something. And if you think they're strong enough at that age to fight this devil off, you're crazy. And you will be held accountable, not that kid. Because you are the parent. But you got to be up. And we got to be cool. Them to think their parents has got something or somebody. I feel like I done got on my soapbox. But I went to bed last night with a burden because I got this news last night. And this message was burning. God said, don't you see the purpose? I'm trying to burn you out of you. And I'm trying to create a someone on fire that our fire goes into the school. And our fire goes everywhere we go. And it sets people free. Not the, not the fire of religion that brings people into our bondage. But a freedom that liberates. I'm telling you, I've never felt it as much as I do. You nonchalant parents that show up for church whenever you want to and got kids, amen, nonchalant prayer life, like everything's going all right and the devil is still in your kids, it ought to be an insult to us as praying parents. We ought to be in an altar somewhere weeping over our kids and for revival to come to church. Coming, is anybody in this mill coming and sitting in churches and going through a sermon and a few songs while our kids are being destroyed? We're losing a generation because the fire has left the church and we're so dysfunctional I thought a 12 year old stuck a gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger and it was on safety or it snapped or something amen and I thought amen that 12 years old is not the blame we got two generations that's in bad trouble that's mine coming on down to Josh's and then all of these little ones sitting right here on these pews because mamas and daddies have gone crazy. And I preach as if the church is the only answer. The church. That when God's fire sits down in this building, it will purge everything within a miles. And freedom will come back to our kids. When freedom comes back to us. Please help me somebody. Am I crazy? Thank you, Flukey. Am I crazy or is it that bad? He told me, sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. You got to wake the church while we're singing our songs and doing our dance. Amen. The, the, the generation being destroyed and all you good people. Your kids are rubbing shoulders with the kids that don't have the good people. And they're just doing what they're taught to do and saying what they hear being said. I can't. I, 
I can't draw the picture bad enough to let you know how bad it is on a generation that's coming up. So it's got me reaching in other directions. I got to quit. It's got me reaching in other directions, talking to school board members. I'm not going to fight this thing in the natural. I'm going to fight it on my knees, but talking to school board members and beginning to pray for God to send some kind of light in the schools. Thank God, Josh, for your ministry in the schools. But you know what we need? We need teachers. We need godly teachers that can handle these situations when they arise and they've heard that kid wants to commit suicide to let him know there is an answer and there is a hope. And if he's having homosexual tendencies, it's not telling him it's okay to marry him or it's okay to just be who you think you are, but to show him truth. We need some, we need some people with influence, teachers, coaches, amen, that understand the reality of what kids are going through and to be able to begin to be a light. Can y'all begin to pray stuff like this? Can we begin to come together and pray that we need somebody that's on fire? I gotta quit, but I've just cast my burden on you, and it's the one I went to bed with last night. God said, I'm just not trying to make you holy so you can be holy. I'm trying to put you in a position to where you quit gathering in some building a few times a week and you start marching out on the devil's territory and start taking back generations and kingdoms. That's why you're going through what you're going through. That's why you're in the fire. And if you'll let it, the fire will save you. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.